0: Hey, Rebecca, how are you? Pleasure to have you on the primal side.
1: I'm great. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. And for those who don't know, Rebecca Heishman is a health, health coach and life coach with a keen eye for maximizing nutritional value in any way of eating. Since she is young, she has had a passion for health, nature, fitness, holistic nutrition and food as medicine. She's overcome Lyme disease, C. diff, over 10 different autoimmune diseases, Along with osteoporosis and degenerative disc, which she was diagnosed all the way at sixth and seventh grade, OCD, anxiety, depression, insomnia, narcolepsy, and a bunch of digestive issues, IBS, IBD, slow transit. She overcame all of it in the span of only a few years and found food freedom through proper bioindividuality, nutrition, faith. She has since directed her practice towards working alongside others who are on their own healing journey. So the first question I ask everybody is, how did you get to this point? How did you find out about this way of eating and, and sort of your whole story?
1: Yeah, so I was diagnosed with osteoporosis in the sixth grade. Um, I ran to mood disorders in seventh grade, really severe OCD to the point where I was pulling out my own eyelashes. I was self-harming. Um, I had narcolepsy. And then I was put on medications, Adderall, clonazepam, and Ambien. Mm -hmm. And I took those in high doses for 13 years. Um, And I just kept getting worse and worse. And so after high school, I went through real estate and I was doing that full time. I was engaged and I started having suffocation attacks. Literally, I couldn't peel my arms away from my sides. I couldn't unclench my fists. I couldn't breathe. And... I would be brought to the emergency room and told that it was anxiety. They would pump me with morphine um, or opioids and just, they kept telling me it was anxiety. Um, So I knew that my central nervous system was definitely um, burnt out or oversaturated because of the medications I had been taken. And I had been ketogenic most of this time. I grew up with relatives who were ketogenic. I was very versed in it. Um, But at this time, I said, I'm getting rid of this medicine, these medications, because they're not even helping anymore. Um, And I'm going to get to the root of this, even if it kills me. Hmm. So I started seeing functional medicine doctors. Um, The engagement fell apart. I had to move back in with my parents. I was having panic attacks all the time. Um, It was it was really a nightmare. (laughs) It was really painful. Um, And then I. I didn't really have success with the functional medicine doctors. What I got were diagnoses. So it was good to know, okay. Chronic Lyme disease. That's huge. Autoimmune disorders. I had crest scleroderma, uh, multiple connective tissue diseases. Um, I had Hashimoto's hypothyroid. It was really good to know. Okay. There's actually a name to what's going on. Cause I felt like I was going crazy. It wasn't just anxiety, right. but they were just recommending supplements it wasn't much different than traditional medicine they said okay we'll take 20 supplements no one talked to me about nutrition
0: and and what um, were you eating what were you eating originally uh, while all this was going on what were you eating
1: keto. i was keto You're i was eating keto. Yeah. I mean, I was keto for over 15 years before that paleo, I worked at whole foods. So I was eating stuff from whole foods. Um, there was definitely a time where I was just flat broke, not living with my parents. I was living on skinny pop and ice cream sandwiches. Other than that, I was pretty healthy. Um, So daily meals would or be at least, at least healthy
0: as far as whole foods goes. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Which know. we know is actually crap.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, But like at home, I would have poached eggs, tons of baby spinach, salads, avocados, nuts, almond flour, almond milk. It was all the oxalate. Honestly, I had bags of turmeric in bulk because I seasoned my meat with it. I made tea with it. I thought it was just the best thing. And so that's what it looked like. But So it was low carb, but very high anti-nutrient. And so the first person that Spoke to me about carnivore was Danny Vega. Are you familiar with him?
0: Yes. Yep.
1: He's he's a good friend and he I mean I spoke with him on the phone. I'll never forget. I was in my car in tears just like I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm shutting down. I'm doing keto and he's like, "Well, you know, the carnivore diet works for people with autoimmune issues, Rebecca." And I didn't want to receive that. I really didn't want to give up my spinach or avocados. <laughs> so I tried it a couple times. Um, and then I got so desperate that I did try the lion diet eight times. So I did beef, salt, and water every time I felt worse. I felt way worse. And now looking back, I know I was having histamine intolerance. I was starving for more fat. Um, I wasn't getting what I needed and I felt even more restricted. Um, so I started somewhere along this journey. I started losing a ton of weight very rapidly, And my functional medicine doctors are like, well, you're doing keto. Clearly you're trying to lose weight on this diet. And I'm like, no, I'm eating a ton. I was tracking at one point, I was eating 6,000 calories and still losing weight. I told them this and then they're like, you really have an eating disorder if you're eating 6,000 calories. I'm like, I'm asking you for help. Um, so I was not accepted anywhere. I was, I was just, It seemed like wherever I went, they just wanted to push me away and label it. They wanted to put me in a box, slap a label on me and send some supplements with me. Right. Um, And that was really frustrating. So, so I ended up in an eating disorder unit because I got down to 69 pounds. I was in the hospital for my autoimmune issues and a nurse actually petitioned with other doctors to have me sent to the ED unit against my own will. They lied to my mom. They said that my mom couldn't trust me because I had an eating disorder. So I was held there for an entire month. That was awful. I write about that in my book. Um, I came out of there, went straight back to keto. And that was the first time I ever got the keto rash. It was all over my face, all over my back because I had eaten so much junk in the hospital. Um, So for anyone who gets the keto rash, it's going to pass. It's just your body heavily detoxing. Um, Same thing with the flu. Same thing. Same thing. Right. Exactly. You're exactly right. Um, so I'm going to fast forward to May, 2019. My family still thinks I have an eating disorder. I am in a toxic relationship. I'm prohibited to work. I'm so sick. Um, I'm 69 pounds and I'm in my third emergency room consecutive back to back. I was always in there for my electrolytes. They were always all over the place. And that's when I told the dietitian about the carnivore diet and I said look you've got to let me eat meat in here um so she convinced the chef in the kitchen to be in direct contact with me and he was sending up multiple entrees of hard-boiled eggs butter and whatever meat they had wow uh, there was a magician. lot
0: of how'd you convince a dietitian yeah. that's oh, crazy yeah.
1: it was it was an answer from god honestly and she was in there with me for a good 30 40 minutes I told her everything I've told you up to up until this point I mean And I, she believed me. It was like, I'm not trying to lose weight, but I mean, look where I am. Um, and she saw what the carbs were doing to me. Like the trays they were sending me initially were the weight gainer shakes and tons of carbs. And every time I ate that stuff, my blood sugar would go into hypoglycemia. Then they would give me glucose tablets and then they would give me an apple and it just kept going lower and lower. I'm like, this isn't working so she saw that I went through a certain amount of hell for her to be able to give me a chance um so I since I had I had a chronic C diff infection that was discovered C diff is a bad bacteria that takes over the good bacteria in your gut and it was depleting me thats I've had it you have did yeah. you how was it really bad for you
0: it was I was hospitalized for it for sure it was, it oh, was wow. really bad yeah that was a few wow. years ago before I started all of this yeah I had also really chronic IBS. Um, so I can relate to you with that and, and how it's healed, but, but keep going.
1: Yeah. So the C diff was, it was threatening my life. It was honestly the worst thing I've ever battled, even way worse than chronic Lyme disease, any of the autoimmune diseases, because I had no control. Um, and it manifested into ulcerative colitis. So I couldn't even eat without involuntarily throwing up at this point. So I'm in the emergency room and they're like, we have to remove your colon and hook you up to a feeding tube. And that's when I spoke with the dietitian. I was like, I, can't, I'm not doing this. You've yeah. got to let me try this before that. And when I cut out, I was throwing away their trays, hiding them because I was being held in isolation. So I could hoard the, this butter and eggs and meat in my room. I was hoarding it, hiding it in the covers, cabinets. Um, and I gained four pounds in one week. My blood sugar stabilized, my electrolytes stabilized, no more glucagon shots. And then the dietitian told the doctor what I was doing. And the doctor told me go home and do your weird all meat diet. That was May of 2019. And that's what I did. I got into a safe environment. It was actually my husband. Now Um, he was a total stranger, gave me a room to stay in. And I gained 65 healthy pounds in one year. And I literally reversed every single diagnosis with labs to confirm, including the chronic Lyme disease. Um, My thyroid is in perfect condition. I mean, it's not just like I'm feeling better. It's like, no, it's really gone. It's not just in remission. It's gone. It's a done deal. So um, I attribute the change that I made to God because I really felt like God was twisting my arm and telling me I had to surrender the ketogenic diet because that's all I knew. And I, I needed, I felt like I needed that sense of control and it was really hurting me. So that's a summary of, um, wow. of my story.
0: Yeah. A, a really great story. Very interesting stuff. And, um, you know, it just another example of, of what the doctors do and and what the nurses do and how they, how they treat their patients. And, um, I don't know if you saw this, but Paul Saldino made this, um, video that got a lot of hate in the children's hospital and what they feed their kids and, there's a lot of comments in there that are like, well, my kid has cancer, you know, they just let him eat the chicken nuggets. I feel bad, you know, and, and there are parents that do that. And the issue is it it worsens it because they have, they don't understand that sugar feeds cancer cells. So That's when so they, have a, when they have an issue like that, it's often the parents that comment, they're, they're addicted as well. They'll end up with cancer as well. And it's all a cycle and it's all, mm-hmm. um, brainwashed, to be honest with you. So he got a lot of hate for that. But I couldn't agree with him more that the food that they have in hospitals is, you know, the most important thing that's going to either get you out of the situation you're in, or it's going to make it worse. Um, So food is a huge, huge driver. And it's never more important to have in a situation like that as well. Um, you talked about gaining weight, and it's definitely a question that I want to bring up. I don't even think we've yeah. talked about gaining weight uh, on this podcast yet. Uh, we've talked about dairy. Um, but I have a lot of people that come to me. Hey, how do I gain weight without dairy on carnivore? Definitely a big question I get. I know I tolerate raw dairy. I can't tolerate pasteurized. Um, so how would you go about that? How do you go about recommending someone to, uh, to put on weight?
1: So that's interesting. I get people asking me, how do I gain weight without carbs? I've never heard the dairy thing. But that's a good question because I did use dairy. Um, so I struggled in the beginning just with I was overly full. I couldn't eat steak at least for six months. It was way too filling. So so number 1 you've got to find variety. I love the company Billy Doe Meats. They have a bunch of fatty lamb. They have lamb bacon, goat bacon and it gave me variety and it's very delicious. So it's hyper palatable. It's easier than just beef salt and water. Right. Which to me, it gets boring really quickly. Um, another thing I did was I discovered the carnivore brownies. That's my recipe. And it literally really helped me to keep gaining weight. And I got up to like 104 pounds and I stopped gaining. And then I made that recipe and I started gaining again. Um, and then I did use dairy because I knew it was hyper palatable, but I removed it after like two months and I felt better without it. Um, so to answer your question directly, it's not that complicated. If you give your body what it needs, the proper foundation and you remove the interference. So, so you're eating nutrients that are healing your gut. You've gotta be sure you're actually absorbing what you're eating and then just give it enough. I never ate at a surplus. I just ate enough. I knew that I needed approximately one gram of protein per pound of desired body weight. My first goal was 110 pounds um i got all the way up to 155 and then i leveled out at 125 and that's where my body stays um but just eat enough protein try to eat more fat than protein which is going to support your hormones and keep you out of gluconeogenesis essentially um and that really depends on the person, you know, are you fat adapted? Do you have extra body fat on your body? I was underweight. So I needed to keep the dietary fat coming in constantly. I would eat a slice of butter before bed in the middle of the night first thing in the morning. Um, and then I would also say incorporate some resistance training when you're stable enough, nothing crazy. I started out with body weight exercises and then eventually got into the gym, but that resistance training is literally going to, it's going to ask your muscles to grow. It's going to give your muscles some stimulus to grow. You just need that. And I think a lot of people miss that. Um, And it also makes it easier to eat more food because it makes you hungry. It increases insulin sensitivity. So all the benefits are there. Um, And then make sure you're sleeping. You're not going to make progress with weight loss or weight gain if you're not sleeping well.
0: Wow. Yeah, definitely agree. I think that, you know, hormones play such a crucial role into this and really activating your hunger hormones to the best of your ability does require perfect sleep. It requires someone who definitely strength trains. I didn't even think about that, Um, but it also requires more energy than you need that that needs to be stored. And that's going to come from fats. Now, I hate using the word calories in this podcast. I say this to everybody because calories aren't created equally. So I call it. and also, all calories don't give you equal energy. So I just call it energy. That's how I say it, even though people say calories are energy, but you know, not all calories are equal. So um, increasing your fat is going to be the best way to go. So if you have too much fat on your body, you will store it. Uh, that's that's the truth. So if you add more fat than you're supposed to, you will store fat. So having yeah. a high fat protein ratio is a better idea. Two to one, even three to one is a good idea. That's how I would do it. I would also strength train. And then also, we can touch upon the one gram per pound of body weight, and I'm not a fan of that either. I mean, if you're getting one gram per pound of body weight, fine, but I'm a proponent that you can even get away with a little less than that. And my my thoughts are, all the studies done on one gram per pound of body weight have all been under plant-based research or plant-based diets. They're all diets that included anti-nutrients, phytates, all these chemicals, and you know sort of they cancel out a lot of what's in meat and they cancel out a lot of the protein that's in meat and a lot of the studies also count the same grams of protein that's in spinach that's also an egg so that's the other thing about these studies is one gram per pound of body weight most of the time is more than you need um i think that when people start carnivore and they're just not hungry all the time, I think it's the most important thing to listen to your body and not force feed the protein. That's that's what I've come to the agreement on. And if you really need, really need protein, then you should do seafood. I think seafood's the easiest way to get protein yeah. in, in a small portion, uh, other than eating lean meats or chicken, because you don't want to do that when you come to this way of eating. Uh, it's not enjoyable. So seafood is definitely a way to do that, in my opinion. Um,
1: that's how I feel about the,
0: the one gram per pound of uh, body weight. I think that there's definitely some science behind it, but it's there's never been carnivore science behind it. When you're getting the most bioavailable forms, do you really need one gram anymore? Or can you get away with a lot less? I think you get away with a lot less and do very well. Um, an example I, I found: I just had a podcast with Doctor Kiltz, and
1: oh yeah, <laughs>
0: he he's great. I love him. He uh, yeah, he's going to be on my podcast soon, and he eats a fistful of food a day. Um, yeah. he obviously has gained quite some muscle since being on this diet, very muscular guy for 66 is in great shape. And it just goes to show, you know, does he need 150 or whatever grams of protein a day? Not at all. Not at all. It seems like his body utilizes everything. Um, so yeah, depends on the person. I agree with the strength training though. A hundred percent. Um, just giving any part of your body a stimulus will raise the hunger level. will get you to eat more. Um, how about, weight gain when starting carnivore, is it all healthy weight? This is what I like to say to people. When I started this way of eating, um, I also, I came from keto to carnivore, uh, how most people do it. And I fixed my IBS within a week after dropping the the vegetables and the plants. However, the next few weeks, I gained 20 pounds. And for for me, that's that's a lot of weight because I I sat around 160 and I went up to a shot up to 180 pretty fast. Um, The things I was misled on are, One, you can eat as much butter as you'd like. You can pile it on. You can take bites. You can put chunks of it on everything. And then two, you can eat until you're full as many times as you'd like throughout the day, which I still say is is good. But I didn't know the difference between real hunger and boredom and emotional eating and all of that. Also, my issue was I came from a period of caloric restriction. So if you restrict yourself for so long, your metabolic rate will crash when you start to eat till you're full. Like you are set up for failure when you eat till you're full. Do you think that any weight gain on carnivore, if someone's looking to lean out or lose weight, do you think if they gain weight, it's actually healthy?
1: It's a great question. Um, So I think that in the long run, it'll work out because if you're not eating carbs, eventually your leptin is going to kick in. But I do think that people gain more weight than necessary when they are told to eat until they're Thanksgiving full and they're told to eat two sticks of butter every day. And they do that starting from their baseline. So what I always tell people is, why don't we go slow? Because the body is adaptive. Why don't we build up your metabolism and your resting metabolic rate over a period of a couple of weeks? I mean, I think it's great when people dive right in. I started out at a four to one fat to protein ratio, and I needed that. And I wasn't getting that one gram per pound of body weight. But there came a time where I craved more protein, and I I got that. Um, So it depends on the person is it's really is bio individual. If you need, if your hormones need help, if your thyroid is tanking, you're probably going to benefit from a lot more fat. But if you've already been fat adapted, and you just have extra body weight, I really don't think you need to be eating two sticks of butter every day, right? um, Because it's excess energy. Um, So I think it just really depends on the person. And I am actually just now making a video on this for my YouTube channel. So I'm glad you're asking about it because I think that everyone wants it to be like a one size fits all and it's not, it's really not. Um, So I do think it's possible to gain extra weight on carnivore. In fact, I know it is because I have countless clients who have come to me from other carnivore groups saying I gained 30 pounds in this group and I'm, I'm wrecked. Because they were told to eat copious amounts of butter and and just just start off your baseline. So that's upsetting to me. Um, but a lot of people do well with that because leptin kicks in, their hunger drops off, their hormones are upregulated, and they're burning more fat. That happens with a lot of people. It just depends right. on the person.
0: Right. I think for most people that, that start off within the first few weeks, um, if I can go back, I would do the same thing and I would learn it over again because knowing that my body needed to gain weight after being, I mean, I think I was sitting around eight or 9% body fat. It was very, very lean, very naturally unhealthy, because when you come from a bodybuilding perspective, you just, you want to get as lean and as ripped as possible, even if that means sacrificing your hormones. And it's something that I didn't think about. Um, And bodybuilders they see this, they see that fat's nine calories per gram. So let's restrict energy, let's lower fat. And with that comes a tank in hormones. That's why a lot of them are on Testosterone replacement and all, you know, all of this other stuff. Um, so that definitely was was something that I had to learn is that it's okay to gain weight on carnivore. After a long time, you will your leptin will kick in. It, and it everybody asks, How long? How long is it gonna take me to lose 20 pounds? How long is it gonna take me to lose the weight I gained? You know, how long is it gonna take me to gain 20 pounds? There's no answer. I can't give you an answer and you can't give, give anybody an answer because it is all bio-individual. But something we yeah. do know is that this is a species-appropriate way of eating. This is the way we are meant to eat. So as long as you follow this path for longevity, you will set yourself up and do very well. I, I see people, I mean, long-time carnivores really look at people that have been doing this for 5, 10 years. Like, I think everyone wants to look like them. I don't think there's anyone that's that's been obese and a long-time carnivore. It just Good doesn't. Point. It just doesn't happen. happen. You look, you look in nature and you see deer and you see uh, lions and are are they obese or overweight? And no, do they they eat until they're full? Absolutely. They eat until they're full. You know, if, if our ancestors, our ancestors did not take out a scale and portion a palm full of meat a day, it just didn't happen. They ate the meat, the the fat, the organs, preferably the the organs and the fat until they were full. And then they did it again, as soon as they found another hunt. So, um, it's definitely something to think about is that without carbohydrates, it's very, very hard to get heavy. Like I've, I've literally tried it. Like I've tried to eat as much as I possibly could. I've gained some weight and then slowly over time, my body just didn't let me like, I felt like I wanted that's to throw too. up. Like I yeah. just felt like I to throw up. And I, I, for one, I, I got up to 260 pounds originally. I was, I was a hundred wow. pounds heavier than I am now. So, um, oh my gosh. Wow. you
1: know,
0: that's, that's sort of my, my story. And, I can gain weight if you give me the right foods. I think it just has to do with yeah. the, the the food quality. I think that's what this podcast is mainly about is, is changing quality of food. Now you, you mentioned checking your blood, uh, like blood sugar levels uh, a few times. You mentioned, um, them giving you like the hospital, giving you like glucose. Um, yeah. how important is checking your blood glucose? If you do this way of eating, is it necessary?
1: It's not necessary, but it, I would ask the person, what are your symptoms? Do you feel cold after you eat? Do you feel like you've been hit by a train and you can't even, like you lose energy? That sounds like insulin is, uh, sounds like actually insulin resistance. And that's what I had. And I wish I had tested my blood sugar. Um, There were times that I would get into the thirties, severe hypoglycemia at home. And I would hide in the bonus room because I didn't want my family to take me to the hospital. And I was like, I would just eat protein." and i was so insulin resistant so that's a situation where you know if someone's having clear symptoms after they're eating i think it would be wise to invest in a glucometer because you could be getting into the danger zone especially if you're not fat adapted that's dangerous um is it necessary no i would say listen to how you feel um another situation where it might be helpful is if someone is not losing weight or they're always hungry Maybe you need to tweak your fat to protein ratio. Maybe your lunch of, you know, chicken wings or something is actually putting you into gluconeogenesis, spiking your blood sugar. You are unaware of it because it's, you know, there's no carbs, but what we really want is a blood sugar that is flat line. When that happened, um, I significantly felt better. I had way more energy. And so I think it's a really good learning tool. You have to know yourself. Um, There was a season where I had to put away my glucometer, because it made me anxious when I saw it in the 90s or 100. But then eventually I took it out. And it's just data. And I'm learning, you know, where is my sweet spot? Okay, today, it was really stable. And this is what I ate. And you can learn. So you also have to know yourself, but no, it's not necessary. But if you're hitting a plateau, it could be really helpful.
0: I agree. I think you should definitely use it as a tool. Uh, if anything, it's it's kind of like the scale. You don't need to check it. You don't right. need but just if you want to use it as a tool to see how you're doing, sure, you can you can base it off that. That's how I feel about that personally. I don't think there's I think there's people that get way too caught up in the the science and the data and they just need to they need to eat the, the right thing and they just need to do it yeah. and do it again when they're hungry. And um yeah. that's that's really all it comes down to. And We could talk about hunger hormones as well and intermittent fasting. This is something that um, came up. I I get a lot of questions about this throughout the week, and I get questions, do I intermittent fast? Should I intermittent fast when I do carnivore? I know keto and IF are like hand in hand. They're like, you know, best friends. Everybody incorporates one with the other. So what's the difference between intermittent fasting on a standard American diet and intermittent fasting on keto? (laughs)
1: I love this question. So I think everyone should intermittent fast if they can. The difference is metabolic flexibility. If you cannot intermittent fast, if you can't fast for 14 hours, you are not metabolically flexible, your body literally depends on glucose, right? I don't think everyone needs to be in ketosis all the time. But I do think everyone, I know that everyone would benefit from metabolic flexibility. So when you intermittent fast on keto, your insulin's getting super, super low, you um, and that allows for serotonin, melatonin, human growth hormone to rise. You get all of those benefits. You get autophagy. Glucose, when you're running on glucose, you don't really get those in muscle when it runs out of glucose. So that's the main difference that comes to mind is when you're fat adapted, those ketones are muscle sparing. Your body will turn to its own body fat when you're fasting or intermittent fasting when you're running on glucose, your body doesn't know how to burn fat. So it's going to turn to your muscle. And it's just not a good idea. So um, I really think the difference is metabolic flexibility.
0: Right, right. I totally agree. I think that if you intermittent fast on a standard American diet, you're setting yourself up for failure. I I think the first thing that people do um, nowadays, so I I think I hope that you and I can agree that 99% of people here in America are more than addicted to sugar, they're addicted to sugar. Yeah. Even if you're skinny, you could still be addicted to sugar. And there, there's so much truth behind that. And eating every two or three hours—that's what the American, the average American does. So, you know, they need that next hit of sugar. It's, it's an addiction. It's a serious addiction. So, when you intermittent fast, and let's say you skip breakfast because you saw it online, you don't take into account that you're still addicted to sugar. So it's going to be really damn hard. And I've done it. I did, I did OMAD when I was losing the weight the wrong way and I lost Mm. a lot of weight from it, but I was miserable. I was starving. Every night I went to bed with cravings thinking that it was normal that when you lose weight, you would have these like insatiable hunger cravings. And um, these these mental signals until you realize that fat's good for you. And the the unfortunate truth is that 99% of people still rely on sugar. They're so addicted to sugar that skipping breakfast doesn't necessarily do anything. It makes you more addicted. And It honestly leads to binges. Now, when you when you run off fat and you skip breakfast, um, you don't binge because hunger on fat will come in waves, and hunger on carbohydrates will fill up and empty quick like a gas tank almost. That's that's Mm. how I like to compare them. So that's the biggest difference, in my opinion, is you need to eat every two or three hours because you're addicted to sugar. That's the truth. That's the truth. Um, Now, uh, you and I probably don't agree that intermittent fasting is necessary. Um, I think that changing the food quality is necessary. And then whatever happens, happens. Like when I started carnivore, like I said, I gained 20 pounds. I was ravenous. I was coming from restriction for so long. Um, not necessarily restriction of red meat, but more restriction of fat. So when I got a taste of the butter and the cheese and even the ribeyes, I was told that I could eat as much as I want. So I ate four or five big meals a day. I was up to eating 30 plus eggs a day. I was eating three or four pounds of meat, three or four pounds of meat with that a day and a a stick of butter, at least like I was eating a lot. I'm talking eight, 9000 calories a day coming from two years of 1700 calories a day. And I gained a ton of weight super, super fast. And over time, hunger hormones stabilized. It took me five or six months stabilized and I just wasn't as hungry. Eventually, four or five meals just became three meals naturally eventually a few months later three meals became two meals naturally and i was doing the same thing i was eating the same foods and i was eating until yeah. full um, then i wanted to get even leaner so i upped my protein slightly and i decreased my added fat slightly and that really worked for me and that's what i've been doing now and i've now transitioning almost i'm almost at one meal a day just because i'm just not hungry anymore so i'm intermittent fasting without me realizing it so with that said is intermittent fasting necessary uh, when you do carnivore or keto?
1: It's not necessary, but it's natural, like you just said. I mean, we were like twins with our journey. Like, I gained up to 155. Even my chiropractor was like, okay, you can stop gaining weight. <laughs> like, I was pushing it for my height. And I didn't change anything. I just kept honoring my hunger, honoring my body, and staying away from carbs, eating nutrient dense foods. And it just came back down to 125. One time I just stepped on the scale one day. I was like, oh my gosh, like I lost a lot of weight and I didn't feel restricted once. Not once did I turn down a meal when I was hungry. And so it's, I don't think it's necessary, but I think it's almost impossible to not naturally happen because it's how we were created.
0: Right, right. The diet you're on will determine your intermittent fast. And what do you think about, yeah, what do you think about forcing an intermittent fast? No, right.
1: No, i same with any type of fasting there's a time and season but it's not a good idea unless you're in the right mental and physical place
0: yeah there's yeah you don't want to time restrict yourself when you're not even the right foods especially so um that said i'm nearing one meal one meal a day i'm gonna make some sort of uh content on on one meal a day coming up and um I'm just not too hungry anymore. I feel like I do OMAD totally fine, like not forcing it. I just, I'm more hungry usually once a day and that's what I'm gonna do. What are the benefits of doing OMAD on carnivore if you transition to it, as opposed to doing three or four meals a day on carnivore?
1: You get more autophagy. You're getting 23 hours of fasting, which is incredible. And you can still gain weight. I gained half of my weight on OMAD. I switched to OMAD in 2020 when uh, COVID happened the gyms were closed. I was like, all right, I'm eating one meal a day. I'm not as hungry. And I kept gaining weight because I kept up, you know, enough nutrients. Um, and I felt great. So when I think of higher rates of autophagy, that's when your body is recycling dead proteins and you're burning more fat. I think the things that I think of are better mental clarity, um, just better energy and you just feel awesome. Honestly, I love fasting. I love OMAD. It's, um, when you get to the place where it's easy, it's a really sweet place to be. I transitioned out of it when I got pregnant. Um, but I loved it and it's super convenient too. I mean, that's my favorite part is like, I only have to do dishes once I, I can live my life for 23 hours. And, and if you get a cast, up a get
0: a cast iron, even better. And you do omad, like there's no work, there's no chore, nothing.
1: Exactly.
0: You throw your steak on, you take it off, and you're done. Um, yeah. So I, I'm definitely going to to explore more of omad in the future. As the last time I did omad, it was the wrong way. So I could definitely compare it to to what I did before. Um, now I wanted to ask you what. Do you eat in a day when you first started this carnivore journey? And then how has it changed now? What are the differences between your, what I eat in a day originally and recently?
1: Similar to you. Um, I am now a higher protein. I thrive on it, but I started out four to one fat to protein. So that looked like um, I would have like one or two lamb ribs every day. I would have eaten more, but I couldn't afford more. I had a ton of fish skins. I would get free fish skins from my seafood merchant and air fry them. They're delicious, they're very fatty. Um, I did that because I was broke and I would have one small burger and then I would have homemade broth and then I would have crispy pig ears. I was making broth from pig ears. I do not consume chicken or pork now but that's what I did. And it was enough. Um, I wasn't eating butter. I was sensitive to it. I wasn't eating eggs or egg yolks. I was sensitive to it. I was eating suet. So I was eating lots of fat. Um, but not even loads and loads of extra fat. It was really just coming from fatty meat. And I felt great with that. Um, and now I eat a lot of goat, veal, venison, elk, bison, I love making stew. Now I've added back in low anti nutrient vegetables. Um, You know, I'll have cilantro and make a taco bowl or something like that. Um, But there are many, many days that I'm still no vegetables, all meat. Um, I added in shrimp, I do eggs now whole eggs. So it was it's just been a process of reintroducing more animal foods. Um, And I eat a ton of organs like every day I eat an organ, whether it be sweetbreads, heart, I love heart. I eat liver every day, just a small piece of frozen liver. Um, and then I just cycle through the goat, the veal, the venison, things like that. But uh, yeah, I, I l- definitely crave higher protein.
0: I love that you have uh, so many ruminants around your diet. I think that's the most key are, are organs and ruminants. And I preference this a lot on the podcast, but eating ruminants is so crucial. Uh, I eat I've eaten red meat, the rumen animals for every day now for the last three years. Um, so it's I mean, I haven't stopped. And I've eaten eggs every day for the last three years. And I think those two are amazing to your diet. I think getting in seafood is important on a carnivore diet, especially if you yeah. don't have an allergy, if you don't have problems with anything and you want variety, it's super important. Um, the amount of nutrients are in seafood aren't necessarily are in beef and eggs. So they definitely have way different profiles. Um, So I like that. That's a little bit of what what you've eaten in in a day. And yeah, I agree. It's quite similar to mine. What about the meals? Have you, um, you said you transitioned to OMAD for a little bit, then you were pregnant. And now what do you do?
1: Yeah, now I eat. It just varies. Whatever, you know, I give myself permission to eat again. I really don't like eating past like five o'clock. I sleep way better when I've digested all my food. So, um, I would say it's half and half now I'll eat OMAD one day, two meals on Sundays. I usually eat two meals. because I'm just resting. Um, but I'm just listening to my body. I don't have any, like, I'm not trying to get shredded. I'm just trying to be healthy. And we are trying to get pregnant again. I had a miscarriage. Um, so we're trying to get pregnant and I really don't. I'm not pushing myself. I'm just focusing on getting stronger at CrossFit and feeling good, um, getting the nutrients that I, I know my body needs. Um, but many days it is omad, and it feels best. And I'm, I'm good at eating, so I can get everything that I need in that one meal.
0: Good. There you go. There you have it. So just eat when you're hungry. Stop when you're full. Listen to your hormones. That's you know the basis of that. I want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about. Uh, holistic health changes something that we haven't really got into in the podcast too much and some definitely a big change the last few months that I've made around the house making different holistic changes whether that be um, switching out toxic cleaning products or using something else as detergent or or for laundry or dishes you know there's so many changes that you can make in your house I stopped using shampoo conditioner soap all of it um,
1: awesome
0: deodorant me too I don't have body odor on this diet. I, I've yeah. did notice that when I introduced like a few weeks ago, I had a steak and there were onions underneath it. And I had a I had like a spoon, a fork full of onions. And I even realized it. And I had body odor. Like I, yeah. it was it was like insane how small the amount I had. Um, but what are some of your favorite holistic changes you can make around the house and in your routine?
1: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the no shampoo because I'm two months, two and a half months, no hair product whatsoever, just water, maybe once a week, brush it through. That's it. Nothing. My hair has never honestly been so healthy. Um, it's super easy. And then swapping out um, fragrances, I think I think so many people use these plugins and it's toxic.
0: Oh, yeah. Literally, um,
1: it's so bad. Like, don't let your kids around that. Don't let your pets be around that. If you're visiting somewhere, pull it out of the wall and put it on the countertop. Just let what's them know, I don't want to be around this.
0: What's your alternative? Um,
1: Alternative essential oils. So we run an Airbnb, and you know, if there's any, we have six dogs also. So if it smells like dogs, we'll turn on a, a diffuser with some essential oils. Um, it's, but usually it's nothing. Like if you clean your house, if you vacuum, it shouldn't be smelly anyways. And people should be okay with just not, you know, a fragrance in your face. Um, that's really toxic. The next thing I would say is the cleaning products so you can swap out your laundry detergent for white vinegar you can use white vinegar to clean your countertops you can do your laundry with it you can clean mirrors with it it's great and it doesn't leave a smell your clothes don't smell like vinegar it works really well so we have that in spray bottles everywhere in our house Um, and then maybe consider replacing some of your light bulbs with red light you can even buy light bulbs that change colors for super cheap on amazon You're still going to get benefits from a regular red light. You don't need infrared everywhere. Just that red light does mimic the sunrise and the sunset, and it's going to really support your circadian rhythm versus all the blue light in our faces, like the one that's around me now.
0: Absolutely. Um, You got to get these. Yeah. And get the
1: blue light blockers. Definitely. Very important.
0: If you see yourself on your your phone or at work, I mean, I'm in a situation where. I want to make content for people and I want to spread my message. And the easiest way to do that, especially with with people my age, which I really target, is through social media. And there's no way around it. Like, you know, I could do word of mouth as long as I can. I'm not going to reach 1% of the people I'm going to reach on social media. So I have a job that requires me to be on social media on a computer all day long. So the blue light glasses really, really, really help. Um, There's a lot of brands out there that make really good ones. Just put them on and do your work. And, you know, unfortunately blue light is something that, that was invented not too long ago. And as you and I both know that things invented not too long ago, mostly are harmful for us. So trying to remove as many of those as you can. And then you also have to realize that the standard American diet causes standard American problems. So if you smell bad at, and it's obviously diet related, you're going to want to buy deodorant. If your hair gets messed up from plants, you're going to want to buy some sort of shampoo or conditioner or formula or something like that. For your hair, if you have pimples from seed oils, you're gonna buy moisturizer products. So there's a solution yeah. to everything wrong with the diet, but it's never the root cause of actually fixing your diet. So I think that's the most important thing. Is the other thing is I have a really solid routine now, and I have a lot of parts of my life that I completely changed. I filter my water. I do blue light glasses. I have red light therapy in this room at night when I do my work um, to calm me down. I mean, uh, I've made a million changes uh, to, to my diet and my routine in general. But you yeah. have to start small, you have to start small for sure. I think people see stuff on social media, and they become healthy for a week. And then after another week, it just falls all apart. And, um, you know, you have to start small and make these changes gradually. But I think you and I can agree that the biggest change to make is is your quality of the food that you're eating.
1: Yes, definitely. The food, makes your life so much easier like not having to use product in my hair saves me hours every week it actually becomes more simple but it starts with the food i would definitely agree
0: and there's no one that no one that looks at the bottle of vino moisturizer and sees the seed oils and is like well that's bad for me but if they look at the food and they see the seed oils and they make that connection then you automatically just start thinking hey what else am i putting on my body that i shouldn't really put there or on there um, yeah. everything you, you rub on or near your body gets absorbed into you. So you have to be very, very careful. Um, I agree that the Febreze, the air fresheners are super toxic and people don't realize it. And the cleaning products are super toxic. I use, uh, distilled white vinegar as well. Um, that's been my favorite. That's that goes very well for me. Also, I use baking soda for the dishes. It's really easy. Uh, it's simple, even though I just use the cast iron. So most of the time I'm not doing much. Um, but I want to hear also the leap from keto to carnivore. Now, you and I both took this leap, and I think it can really make a difference. I hear all the time that the last 5% really matters, like cutting out the coffee or getting rid of those side vegetables that you have in your plate really can make a difference in your health. So what are some stories that you've, you've had or you've heard from people that went from keto to carnivore? And what are the biggest changes? What do you see from people when they switch?
1: I'll use myself as an example first. So I spoke with Sally Norton when I was very sick. I was desperate. And she was like, you got to remove the spinach. You got to remove the anti-nutrients, the oxalate. It's everywhere in your diet. And so I gave it a chance. I did it for two weeks. And then I reintroduced one cup of spinach one morning. I was like, let's see if this has anything to it. The next morning, my ankles were so swollen. I couldn't even put on my shoes. From then on... I never, I never am not aware of the amount of oxalate that I'm consuming. That was the biggest change for me was removing the interference, removing the oxalate. I've never even thought about being vegan. Like I'm smart. (laughs) So I knew that I needed meat and I was eating meat with keto, but I was eating so many anti-nutrients and they were binding to the nutrients that I was consuming. And then I had the C diff on top of that. So removing the interference, which was anti-nutrients coming from so-called superfoods, like cinnamon, spinach, avocado, turmeric. Those are, you know, sweet potato. Those are all superfoods, but they were literally killing me. So that was it for me. For clients that I work with, um, a lot of the breakthrough is just removing the hyper palatable keto treats or the fat oh, bombs. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. The fat <laughs> bombs are like, it's, it's, not helpful there's a difference between adding extra fat and eating sweet tasting fat that's just a bad idea that doesn't support leptin we need protein and fat to support exactly. leptin.
0: especially when people come to this way of eating like that have binge eating disorder or because a lot yes. of a lot of people do and they don't even realize it but you know when you come to this way addicted to sugar and you go without sugar and then you add in a highly palatable snack people can't resist that you can't keep that around the house so removing, yeah. removing the trigger foods is huge but i think I think the biggest change that I see from people and from myself are their autoimmunes. So people don't understand yeah. that the the plants will getting rid of the small, small amount of plant foods will actually heal your autoimmune. And it also shows that only a small amount of plant foods can still damage your body. So that I like to, to really think about and to tell people that as soon as I removed the handful of vegetables that were on my plate, my IBS cleared up immediately. I think, zero fiber or as close as you can get is is truly the best for your health and for your autoimmune um so i think that's the biggest change in my opinion and then i wanted to talk a little bit about sort of my last question for you is is your favorite carnivore recipes what are some of the craziest things that you came up with you talked about the brownies um that sounds really good i i definitely would try that out what else do you have
1: so I have the carnivore brownies and carnivore ice cream. They're made with beef isolate protein powder. They're really good. And then also carnivore cinnamon rolls. It's made with egg whites, butter, and cinnamon. Um, delicious. Like my husband asks for them all the time. Um, and then some other different ones that I come up with are like carnivore ravioli. I use squid tubes and I stuff them with ground beef. Um, it's just like ravioli. Um, and then I have carnivore stroganoff. Um, I love making shrimp scampi. You can do that with like shirataki noodles, shrimp, garlic butter, or you can just leave out the noodles. You can make pretty much any recipe that you loved, carnivore or carnivore-ish. Um, and then, and then honestly, just all the organs. It's not a recipe, but I really want to encourage people to experiment with organs because they're delicious. Like I posted sweetbreads on my story yesterday and someone was like, oh, sweetbreads. I was like, they're delicious. They're so good. People just yeah. think it's nasty because it's a body part like inside you. It's so delicious. Yeah. Um, So you can you can make, you know, liver pate or, um, you know, you can make stew with heart in it or gizzards like. It's really delicious. Um, but yeah, I would say my top recipe is my carnivore brownie recipe. I'm excited. Equip Foods is going to be sponsoring my cookbook. So I, I have a lot of recipes made with that protein powder.
0: I have them as a sponsor. They the equip Foods. Oh, I nice. They I send love me them. They're they send so me nice. Stuff. They're great. I, I like them too. Um, but for beef isolate protein powder, that's that would be my favorite. That would be my favorite brand if I had to pick one. Um, yeah. It's not necessary, but it can be fun to play around with. I I do hear a few stories about the butter bites and a lot of downhill stories uh, with the butter bites. Um, Now, you have to be careful. When you make a carnivore treat like that, that's so hot. It's basically a fat bomb. That's what it is. And it's highly palatable. It's very highly palatable. I see a lot of people going the wrong way. Um, Do you recommend something like that for weight loss? No. Yeah.
1: I do not. I recommend that you eat fatty meat. Eat the fat that's attached to the meat that you're eating. Don't eat fat without protein, unless it's like a little bit before bed or first thing in the morning to support, you know, your cortisol and all that. But no, I don't recommend fat bombs. I really don't. Unless it's a specific situation where someone needs to gain weight, someone's aiding their thyroid, but in general, no, I really think it's, um, going the opposite direction. Actually too much fat can actually suppress leptin. Um, and people don't realize that
0: definitely definitely there is too there is such a thing as too much fat and um a lot of it comes with dairy and you have to be careful with dairy with a lot of these recipes as well um as some Mm -hmm. people can handle it and dairy is addicting dairy is proven to be very very addicting like a lot of people can't handle like a block of cheese in their house i'm included like i don't do i don't do dairy anymore i currently do carnivore without dairy and i feel really good without it um and it's just another thing to be cautious about. So when you make these recipes, it's amazing to switch it up. It's amazing to do different things. But if it's not for you, and you'll know it's not for you, because yeah. if you crave that kind of stuff day and night, you're probably still insulin resistant. You're probably still looking for a way out. So yeah, holidays, that's when I do that kind of stuff. I make my own recipes too, but um, only on the holidays, I'll have stuff like that stuff with dairy, like every once in a while, you got to be really careful because too much of it can absolutely impact your journey. So yeah. most important thing is just just eat the real foods in their real form. And then when the cake is sitting in front of you and you don't really crave it anymore, you don't want anything to do with it, there's your time to maybe make a recipe. Yeah. Uh, that's how, that's how I feel about that. Because um, a lot of people can go overboard with it and gain weight that they didn't want to gain or not feel as good because they had 20 butter bites that they couldn't resist because they were so palatable. So those are just my thoughts on the whole, um, recipe thing. Although I think it is cool that you can make stuff, um, carnivore that's not, you know, technically carnivore. Um, my, my last question for you, Rebecca is where can people find you and how can they contact you? How can people reach out to you? if They want to get started with your coaching and everything that you offer. Also your Instagrams, every, all that good stuff, YouTube.
1: Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook at tailored keto health. My name is not Taylor. It's Rebecca. Um, and I'm most active on Instagram. I'm definitely pushing YouTube, making more videos and content. Um, I'll be interviewing some big people soon. I'm excited. And then my website will, you can check out my book. You can pre-order my book. You can check out my retreats. I host carnivore retreats two times a year, one in the spring and one in the fall. That's where I have special guests. My next one, I'll have Dr. Kiltz and Dr. Lisa Wiedemann. That's going to be awesome. Um, but I would just, check out my Instagram at Taylor keto health because everything is linked there.
0: Amazing. Perfect. So um, yeah, for those watching, you can also find all of those in the description below. And if you miss one, you can always go to the Instagram and find everything there. So pleasure having you on Rebecca and um, thank you you for being a part. Thank you for answering the questions and uh, being part of the primal side today.
1: Thank you. It was an honor.
0: Thank you. Take care.